0: Good afternoon, America. Welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Happy Friday to you. We're happy to have you on board today. Today, we're going to have to revisit something—something something that we that we talked about back in the fall. It, and just to refresh your memory, it, I, I'm sure you're going to remember it. But we we discussed this uh, textbook that the uh, uh American Psychiatric Association was producing uh, as uh, a textbook to train their their their, their uh, doctors a teaching tool for doctors training that's what they called it and the textbook is entitled gender affirming psychiatric care you remember we we talked about this and and it's back in the news and so we uh we need to we we need to revisit this story, especially in light of what's happening in May. Now, I I wanted to get to Maine yesterday. Uh, we just uh, we didn't get a, uh, we didn't get out of Colorado yesterday. Uh, you know, with everything happening in, in, in Colorado, uh, and and the wake up call that it's given to the parents in, in Colorado is just, it's just beautiful. It's it it's it's horrible what the uh, Colorado legislature is doing to the kids in their public schools. But the way the parents are responding is to me, it's, it's, it's American. It's nothing short of American. You don't hear a lot of, uh, a lot of tumult coming out of uh, Colorado. I mean, you don't hear a lot of, uh, you know, there's buildings aren't, aren't, being burned down you know there aren't protests there aren't uh, very loud uh, boisterous things happening and in, in protest to 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 what the state government is doing to the kids it's more of a quiet protest. the parents are literally just uh, they're just walking away from public schools and admittedly many of the parents have said you know we, we love these the, the, these smaller schools that our kids are in but th- they're just walking away. And the decline in enrollment out of Colorado. All right, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, rehash yesterday's show. I, I encourage you, you know, find it in the podcast network, listen to it. it uh, it's packed full of, of information about what's happening in the public schools in Colorado. And, you know, what everyday American parents are uh, are doing about it and how they're responding. And so in light of that, we're going to revisit this APA textbook in conjunction with what's happening in Maine. All right. But before we do that, we have to celebrate a birthday. Today, my young friends, and maybe my old friends, today is Michigan's birthday. Bum, bum, bum. The great state of Michigan. Uh, January 26, 1837, Michigan became a state. And it just didn't, you know, happen in an ordinary fashion. Uh, there is, there's some definite history involved. Uh, it, 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 basically, it was born out of a war. And a war with, with 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 whom you might ask, yes, thank you for asking. It's a great question. Uh, of course, it's... Uh, it's a war with Ohio. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be a war with Ohio. You know, Wolverines versus Buckeyes. That's just how it goes. Uh, it, it's really a um, it. It's a great story. I mean, really, because it's just pure Americana. And if you're not familiar with it, you know, I'm going to clue you in, and we're going to we're going to take a quick history lesson on the uh, the border war. Uh, known as the Toledo War between Michigan and Ohio, and it's really what uh, you know what what ushered in in uh, in Michigan uh, what ushered the state into statehood. Uh, I shouldn't say the state into statehood. What ushered the territory into statehood? Uh, the uh, the the so-called Toledo War had its roots in the shortcomings of the 18th century geography. All right, there, there was there was some shortcomings. I mean, it wasn't all perfect. In 1787, Congress drafts the Northwest Ordinance. Or, you know, we've talked about the Northwest Ordinance; we love it. Uh, but the ordinance stipulated that 260,000 square miles of territory surrounding the Great Lakes would eventually be carved into a handful of new states. And, you know, we've talked about this: no more than five, I think, no fewer than three. Specifically, however, the law decreed that the border between Ohio and Michigan was to run an east and west line drawn through the southerly bend or extreme of Lake Michigan, Okay, until that line intersected with Lake Erie. There was just one problem, however. The best available maps depicted Lake Michigan's southern tip as being several miles north of its, of its true location robbing Michigan of uh, plenty of land. As a result, the original border placed the mouth of the Maumee River and the future city of Toledo in northern Ohio rather than in southern Michigan, where it belonged. Okay, Toledo should be in Michigan, ultimately, and it's currently not. It's in Ohio. The map issue was still unresolved in the early 19th century. But when Ohio was admitted to the Union in 1803, it included a measure in its Constitution asserting that it owned the land around the Maumee, no matter what future surveys might show. Just a few few years later, representatives of the newly formed Michigan Territory challenged Ohio and argued that newer maps showed the region to be theirs, according to the language in the Northwest Ordinance. The controversy only grew. In the late 1810s, a pair of land surveys came to conflicting conclusions about the location of the border. The discrepancies created a 468-square-mile slice of land known as the Toledo Strip that was officially claimed by both the state of Ohio and Michigan Territory. Ohio and Michigan both had good reasons for wanting control of Toledo, By 1825, the completion of the Erie Canal had linked the Great Lakes to the East Coast, presenting valuable opportunities for trade. As the largest port on Lake Erie's western side, the growing village of Toledo was poised to become a commercial hub. Everybody wants Toledo. It's not that way anymore, though, kids. Hey, uh, I'm just kidding. All my friends in Toledo. Uh, I'm just kidding. We love Toledo. With so much riding on the contested territory, both sides attempted to tighten their grip on it. The Michigan Territory settled the region and constructed roads, held elections, and collected taxes. So Michigan's like, "Uh uh-uh, we're just taking it. I mean, you guys aren't doing anything with it. I mean, we're going to settle it. We're going to move people there. We're going to build roads. We're going to hold elections. We're going to collect taxes. It's ours. I mean, that's what Michiganders do. We just go after it. You know, while those Ohioans are just sitting around. No, 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 just kidding. Just kidding. I have friends in Ohio. All right. Ohio, meanwhile, tried to find support for its cause in Washington. Oh, the crybabies. They went whining to 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 daddy. Come on, Ohio. In the early 1830s, Buckeye Congressman even helped block a Michigan petition for statehood in an effort to force the territory's surrender of the Toledo Strip. It's true. They're like, you guys got to give up Toledo or you're not going to enter the Union. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, boy. The Toledo dispute started to spin out of control in early 1835. Just a few months earlier, the territorial governorship of Michigan had fallen to a brash 23-year-old politician Named Stevens Mason. He was referred to as the boy governor. I mean, he's only 23, he's a kid, uh, but he wasted little time asserting his authority over the Toledo Strip. He's like, I'm here, I'm governor. Um, I mean, we're just going after this. Quote Here's what he said We are the weaker party, it's true, but we are on the side of justice. We cannot fail to maintain our rights against the encroachments of a powerful neighboring state. I mean he was right you know the the northwest ordinance you know dictated where the line was going to be uh, and, and the line was incorrectly drawn and you know boy governor over here is saying look it, it here are the here are the uh the the, the correct boundaries toledo's ours in february 1835 uh, mason oversaw the passage of the pains and penalties act which levied harsh fines and jail sentences on any Ohio official who tried to exercise jurisdiction over the contested territory. The Pains and Penalties Act. I love it. You know what? We're still providing pain and penalty to, to Ohio to this very day. It's been happening the past three years on the gridiron. All right. Okay. I'm I'm just I'm I'm just kidding. I'm, all right. Okay. Back to history. Not to be outdone. Ohio Governor Robert Lucas and his state legislature passed a resolution that extended their county borders into the Strip. (laughs) Oh, man, it just it it just keeps piling on. They also uh, contracted a team of surveyors to remark the boundary line. As the tensions grew, Michigan and Ohio both raised militias to guard their sovereignty over the disputed land. We're going to war, kids. We are going to war. Well, federal mediators tried in vain to defuse the conflict, Michigan's authorities went to work enforcing their Pains and Penalties Act. On the 9th of April, 1835, a posse led by a Michigan sheriff rode into Toledo. We're going to ride into that town, boys. We're going to get us some Buckeyes. And they arrested several Buckeye state officials. The Pains and Penalties Act. Newspapers later reported that an Ohio flag was torn down, dragged through the streets and burned, just like a Michigander. A few days later, Michigan militia leader General Joseph Brown led 60 wolverines on a mission to now these weren't actual animals, Th- these were these were men, but you know, wolverines at heart. Led 60 wolverines on a mission to intercept the Ohio border survey team. On April 26, in what became known as the Battle of Phillips Corner, Brown's militia confronted the surveyors, fired warning shots over their heads, and arrested nine members of their party. No one was killed or injured in the Battle of Phillips Corners, but it wasn't long before the Toledo War would turn bloody. In July 1835, Michigan Sheriff Joseph Wood entered toledo to arrest an ohio an, a, an ohioan named two stickney the two is spelled t w o by the way the number 2 where is that two stickney at i'm going to i'm going to go in there and i'm going to arrest him i mean this is like wild west stuff a scuffle broke out between uh the sheriff and stickney when the sheriff's posse confronted the the ohioan in a tavern During the ensuing brawl, Stickney drew a penknife and stabbed the sheriff in the side, leaving him with a minor wound. And there it is. The the, the battle of of Toledo turns bloody when when two Stickney stabs the sheriff in the side with a (laughs) penknife. Who carries a penknife? I mean, you know, if if it's a Michigander in there, he's got a full-blown dagger. Probably a machete. You know, but the buckeye breaks out a pen knife. I'm just uh, I'm just kidding. No, you you people from Ohio, you're nice. We like you now. You know, it's it's all right. Back to history. Sheriff Wood is now remembered as the Toledo Wars lone casualty. Yet in, in early autumn of eighteen thirty-five, Michigan and Ohio seemed poised for a pitched battle. Ohio Governor Lucas had announced his intentions to hold a court session in Toledo to establish his state's rights to the land. In response, Michigan's boy Governor Mason gathered 1,200 Wolverine militiamen and marched on the Toledo Strip. Uh, The Michiganders were prepared to use violent force to prevent the session from taking place. Yet after arriving on September 7th, they discovered the cowardly Ohioans had already held a secret midnight court the night before and then fled to avoid bloodshed and then fled to avoid the, the ensuing beatdown they were about to receive. The court incident marked the last gasp of armed hostilities in the Toledo War. Having lost patience with the boy governor, and his militancy, and his 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 militia Wolverine, President Andrew Jackson intervened, finally entering the fray and removing masons from his post. Michiganders almost immediately voted the boy governor back into office, but by then tempers had cooled and the two sides had called off their militias. With the threat of civil war averted, Jackson and the federal government looked to settle the land dispute once and for all. The issue remained in legal limbo for the next several months, with much of the debate in Congress centering on the Michigan Territory's ongoing pleas for statehood. Finally, on December 14, 1836, Michigan reluctantly accepted a congressional compromise that saw it relinquish its claims on the Toledo Strip, an exchange for admittance into the union as the 26th state. It was like look you guys you got to let go of Toledo, all right? Look, you know, just just let go, all right? Just let it go, please. You want to be in the union. Just, just let Ohio have Toledo. I mean, you know, come on. It's like a parent, you know, you know, trying to to settle a dispute between uh, you know, siblings. At the stroke of a pen, Toledo officially became part of the state of Ohio. Michigan, however, was compensated with nine thousand square miles of land on the Upper Peninsula, between Lake Michigan and Lake Superior. At the time, many Michiganders considered the trade off a bad deal. And how how you consider uh, nine thousand square miles in exchange for four hundred and sixty eight a bad deal? I don't know, but, uh, you know, Michiganders were still upset. Oh, that's a bad deal. We don't want those 9,000 square miles up north. Uh, they, they dubbed the Upper Peninsula a barren wasteland of perpetual snows. Okay, that's not wrong. I mean, it's not a barren wasteland, but the perpetual snows part, that's accurate. Public opinion later shifted, however after the region was found to contain valuable deposits of copper and iron ore. We will definitely take an entire peninsula over a strip of Toledo. While the Toledo War is now remembered as the most ferocious conflict in Ohio-Michigan history, it wasn't the last time the two states clashed over their border. The precise location of the state's land boundary remained the subject of debate until 1915, when a new government survey was completed. Michigan and Ohio's governors celebrated the resolution by shaking hands across the border at a peninsula in Lake Erie. And in 1965, their lieutenant governors repeated the ceremony. That same year, the old rivals fixed a plaque with the words, Good fences Make Good Neighbors to a boundary marker on the state line. Bum, bum, bum. There you have it, my friends. The birthday of Michigan and the uh, the war with Ohio over the Toledo Strip. Uh, so uh, th- th- this day in history, we are the 26th state uh, and um, we have the Toledo Strip to thank, thank for that. And then uh, in exchange, we get the Upper Peninsula. We will take it Every single day of the week. All right, Uh, we're up against the break. We will pick up uh, the APA on the other side. You're listening to the Dean's List
1: on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout.
0: Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. And is there anything better? Than good old fashioned Michigan history. I mean, now you kind of know, I guess, you know, why the why the two schools are just at at odds with each other. Uh, I mean, that's probably not the reason. I'm sure there's other reasons. Ah, uh, the Gridiron Wars. Absolutely love it. I, I mean, just I mean, when I was little, in in school, Michigan history was my favorite subject. Loved it it just, I I felt connected to it, you know, learning about, you know, this great place where I live. It's, um, I mean, it was just fun and enjoyable and there's some rich history here. And I bet the same is true in your state, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, I bet there is some rich history to learn, uh, about, um, where your state comes from, uh, you know, who founded it, who, uh, What's the story surrounding the founding of your state or even your city, your town, your village? Uh, You know, just uh, this kind of stuff I enjoy. I know not everybody does, but I think that if, you know, it would be a definite learning experience for you to just, you know, do some research into your town, into your city, where you're from. I mean, that's, that's kind of fun. That is kind of fun. And if you want, you know, shoot me an email. Tell me about it. Give me some history about where you live. Uh, The dean.list at protonmail.com is the email. But if you go to americaoutloud.news, there is this sweet little feature uh, boxed on the right side. On the right side, there's this tab that says... Uh, listen live, talk radio, and then a tab that says subscribe and listen. And underneath that, there's this new layout, which has a sample of new features. And uh, one of those features is jump into the conversation, send your questions to the host. You know, click that link. And then... um, uh, you know you can you can find your hosts, put your name put your email there's a box where you can submit questions in this case you know it doesn't have to be a question you can tell me about you know about the history of your village or your state uh, I just I think that would be kind of cool but this uh sweet little interactive feature on the on the on the front landing page of america go to the right And click uh, jump into the conversation. Send your questions to the host. Uh, I just think it's excellent. The entire site, by the way, is fantastic at americaoutloud.news. So I encourage you to go there, enjoy it, read the articles, enjoy enjoy the, the podcasts. It's fantastic. All right. History class is over for the moment. We might get back into it a little bit. But before we do, if we do, we need to revisit this story where the uh, American Psychiatric Association, uh, they, they published this textbook uh, designed to, uh, to to be a teaching tool for, for doctors in training, okay, doctors in training. The textbook is entitled Gender Affirming Psychiatric Care. All right, you might recall us discussing this. We were pretty upset about it. Uh, The foreword of the the textbook says this, quote, the first textbook dedicated to providing affirming, intersectional, and evidence-informed psychiatric care for transgender, non-binary, and or gender-expansive people. Now, the thing that we pointed out here is evidence informed. Is different than evidence based. Okay, evidence based is, I guess, just in layman's terms, it's it's founded in in reality. Evidence informed is, um, you know, it's more anecdotal. All right, it's not uh, as heavily researched. It's 26 chapters of this of this book. the uh, 26 chapters are written by 56 authors. And you know, we, we talked about this. 50 of the 50 of the authors either identify as transgender or don't identify as male or female, according to the foreword. Okay, so either they're transgender or they don't identify as as either. All right. So so these are the authors. These are the experts in charge of this textbook for doctors in training. Okay, so nearly 170 health professionals, this this came out just the other day, 170 health professionals have signed an open letter to the American Psychiatric Association condemning its new gender-affirming care textbook as unacceptable, unethical, and unsafe. And uh, I was saying as we as we went over this textbook and talked about this story, I, I was uh, I was asking where are the where are the individuals in the medical profession who have a common sense, have b the willingness and the fortitude to to, to speak out against this. Where are they? And here they are. Uh, Nearly 170 of them have signed this open letter. Uh, The signatories demanded that the APA explain why it glaringly ignored many scientific developments in gender-related care and to consider its responsibility to promote and protect patient safety, mental health, and physical health. Because, you know, the APA isn't doing any of that in this textbook. The letter calls for the APA to suspend publication of the textbook. Quote, we seek an unbiased scientific investigation and discussions of the harms and benefits of all types of care offered to those with gender related distress. That's what the letter says. Until those concerns are addressed and the textbooks' errors corrected, we call on the APA for its withdrawal. And then, within seventy-four hours of this letter going public, more than more than a, an additional seven hundred names have been added to the list of signatories. And this is this is fantastic news, friends, uh, because. People in the medical profession n- need to stand up and 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 reclaim their profession because it's been overrun. And it's it's kind of what we're doing here with education. Education's been overrun. Uh, and there are those of us who are making an, uh, the attempt to to reclaim it. and there are those in the medical profession that are doing the same right here by this letter. Uh, many of those in the medical profession who are reclaiming that profession are on this this very network. And you can hear their shows. Um, the Bregans are fantastic. And and you can find their their, their show right here on the network, AmericaOutloud.news. Of course, Dr. McCullough, everyone knows him. He's fantastic. And you can find his, his show. Um I mean, he's on a couple of times. He's he's on on Pulse with Malcolm on on Thursdays, and then of course he's he's on the weekend with the uh, McCullough Report. Uh, Nurses out loud, they're fantastic. Uh, those ladies are great. Uh, Doctor Ely uh, and the Energetic Health Institute. Doctor e- e- Ely is. I mean, he's one of my favorite people to listen to. I just. I mean, I have taken his. Uh, I've taken his 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 detox courses, uh, and the amount of information that man provides is just phenomenal. I mean, you just sit there and just absorb it. But then you've got to watch it again and watch it again and watch it again just to absorb it again. There's just so much. But it's worth it. I encourage you to, to if you want to detox, you've got to take one of his courses at the Energetic Health Institute. And then you know the the team of people that he's with on, uh, uh, for Healing Radio that that whole group, uh, those those doctors uh, are they're fantastic. So this this whole network, this whole platform here at America Out Loud, has got people that have have been doing this for a while. They've been uh, on a mission to take back the medical profession you know they've been doing this for a while but this is encouraging here that this group is standing up specifically to the apa and they're just telling the apa look you need to either correct the errors that are in this book or you've got to pull the book you've got to withdraw it other health professionals are questioning the wisdom of relying on the author's personal experiences just because of their gender identities. Uh, and, and that's the point of the book is you have to rely on on the experience of the individual. It becomes anecdotal. And that's not what, what medicine is. Now, me, I give anecdotal advice. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I, I, I can't give medical advice. I don't know the ins and outs. I give the anecdotal advice. You hear me do it here all the time. I talk about Cofix RX because it's it has bailed me out repeatedly, you know, uh, and and I hope it it'll it'll do the same for you. And I think you should give it a shot based upon my anecdotal advice. You know, but these doctors are, are supposed to be providing you know research based advice, and, and they're not. They also object to backing up uh, those testimonies with limited scientific studies, some with heartily disputed results. The textbook also presents neo-Marxist critical theories focused on calling out the so-called oppression of particular identity groups. And and I'm sure you know what what groups they're talking about. I mean, it's pretty much in their title. Yet, uh, there are many who are predicting the textbook will become the gold standard of care just because of the clout it comes with the APA and this is what these doctors are concerned about, that this book cannot become the gold standard of of care because it's full of errors. Um, It's flawed, uh, despite the fact that the textbook presents as evidence some studies that have come under fire uh, for being flawed. Okay? Uh, Those include the famous Dutch Protocol study that became the basis for recommending puberty suppression the use of cross-sex hormones, and other gender-affirmative procedures for people who identify as the opposite sex. Transgender activists say puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgery can save the lives of these gender-confused individuals who may feel suicidal. Others dispute that idea, and new research backs up that particular way of thinking. A recent Finnish study found that mental health issues for people who medically transition, continue despite receiving gender-affirming care. They they don't go away. The gender-affirming care doesn't doesn't help. The, The issues are still there. An analysis of data showed the need for psychiatric care was greater for people when gender dysphoria, both before and after medical transitioning, when compared to a control group. Okay, so uh, you know, before and after, there's a transition. This there's a a greater uh, need for psychiatric care for people in this population, and the issue is that their their personal issues are are deep seated, and and. And there are not individuals getting to the root of the issue. Instead, they're just saying, you know, I mean, you probably should be a girl or, you know, she should probably be a man. And that'd fix everything. When, in fact, it only um, exacerbates the problem. It only makes it worse. It only deepens the problem because no one is interested in getting to the to the root. The signature of Dr. Lauren Schwartz, a psychiatrist in Oklahoma, appears first on the letter. Uh, She worries that using the textbook to train doctors could lead to harming millions of children. This is in an interview with the Epic Times. She and fellow professionals hope their letter will raise awareness among parents and providers on how radically the American Psychiatric Association has shifted away from medicine and science in the publication of this book there are so many false harmful statements she says ones rooted not in medicine or science but in an inconceivable ideological foundation and medical information both of which will harm patients and their families and it's it's not only harming you know medical patients and their families medically but this information is now influencing state legislatures to make these laws uh, you know we're going to talk about this in maine if if i get to it uh, and and it's now uh, affecting kids legally it's it's it is horrible It's, it's absolutely horrible what's happening before our very eyes other professionals who signed the letter include uh, psychiatrists Miriam Grossman and Aza Keen. Both have written books denouncing transgender ideology. Dr. Grossman, a childhood and adolescent psychiatrist, wrote, Lost in Transnation: A Child Psychiatrist Guide Out of the Madness. Her book uh, excoriates gender ideology as a reputation of reality and a mockery of basic male and female biology. She's been outspoken against transitioning children. Dr. Hakeem is a London psychiatrist. He formerly worked at the Tavistock Gender Clinic. He's the author of Dtrans When Transition is Not the Solution. Uh, in his book, he argues that no one is born in the wrong body. He maintains that transitioning becomes a false solution to a different problem. And he's absolutely correct. And, and this is what I've been what I've been, I guess, saying since the start. I didn't say it as eloquently here as, as him and as as concise. Um it's it's a false solution to a different problem. Uh where we're not getting to the heart of the problem. We we aren't getting to the root cause of what these uh, confused young people are going through. We're actually creating a brand new problem. You know, one that's going to be dangerous for for their life. Uh, So, yes, he maintains it's a false solution to a different problem at a time of increasing pressure to affirm a person's belief that he or she was born the wrong age. And the APA is now... Piling on with that pressure by training young doctors, they are adding more pressure to these, you know, incoming new professionals into the field. You, you, you must. I mean, you must affirm their their desire to be the other gender. Uh, just uh, it is wrong. The idea of affirming gender confusion and medically altering a person's body to fit a new gender identity is under scrutiny from clinicians and scientists worldwide. Yes, it is absolutely under scrutiny, and it needs to stop. It's a practice that needs to go away. It needs to leave the medical field. It needs to leave the legal arena. It needs to leave the education field. And and that's why I talk about it. That's, That's you know that's why i'm passionate about it here because it, it it brings nothing but harm nothing but harm there are no solutions here yet those methods are recommended by the books authors critics of the textbook argue in their letter that reviews of gender affirming care in sweden and england also did not support the idea that transitioning improves the mental health of patients. They point out that the textbook relies on evidence-informed information instead of the scientific standard that typically requires evidence-based information. And they question why the textbook dismisses the idea of scientific neutrality and depends instead on the lived experiences and community impact of the authors as transgender. So there is so much wrong with this textbook, and I have to say that I'm 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 proud of these individuals, these professionals, for pr- putting their name to a piece of paper, and calling on the APA to withdraw this textbook. Uh, and I think others in the med- medical field should should join them. Obviously, they have. I mean, within 24 hours, an additional 700 names got on the list. We'll have to check it and see. Uh, This is from uh, an article out of the uh, Epic Times. So we'll have to check in on this and see if it's if that list has increased. All right. We're up against the break. We will pick up how this uh, plays in Maine here on the other side. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio
1: when God through his grace and mercy gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at americaoutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans, America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R dot com. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do.
0: I'm afraid of going to the hospital.
1: My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work.
0: Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bolton. We're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. So let's segue now out of the APA and into Maine. We've got the this whole APA story as the backdrop. You know, The APA has written this textbook uh, to train brand new doctors coming into the field. Uh, and, you know, it's all about how they need to sign on board to this gender affirming you know care business and then and then other professionals in this field are coming forward and putting their name to a letter and saying no apa withdraw this book either fix the errors inside of it or withdraw it okay the errors are on purpose uh, and they're not going to withdraw it but there's people that are coming forward and, and, and putting their foot down, all right? They have drawn a line in the sand. So here we are in Maine. Uh, this article says Maine bill would take children from parents who refuse gender-affirming care. Uh, a, new, uh, a new Maine bill is proposing to carve out a new category of child abuse in its state law books, it would be illegal for a parent to deny their child gender reassignment procedures, including puberty blocking hormones and surgery. This sounds you know, like they've taken a uh, some notes out of the uh, California playbook to me. Under the bill, HP 1114, courts can receive temporary emergency jurisdiction of any child in Maine if the child is abandoned, okay, makes sense. Threatened. Oh, okay. Abused. Okay. Or here comes, here it comes. Or because the child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care. Oh, bum, bum, bum. Yeah the court can can take temporary emergency jurisdiction if mom and dad don't want to give the child gender affirming care this is maine my friends beyond that if someone takes a child from a parent and transports them to maine to get gender reassignment procedures maine won't consider it kidnapping the bill reads Uh, And and here is this quote. Here is the exact excerpt from the bill. The bill prohibits a court from considering the taking or retention of a child from a person who has legal custody of the child if the taking or retention was for obtaining gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care for the child. So if you don't want your child, if you live in Maine, and you don't want your child to go through gender affirming health care, but your neighbor comes over because the child you know, says, says to your neighbor, my mom won't, won't let me get gender affirming health care. The neighbor comes, takes your child out of your house, your minor child out of your house, uh, then and, and, and takes them to wherever to get gender affirming health care. The bill prohibits the court from considering that uh, to be um, uh, to, to be stealing the kid, uh, to, to, to be kidnapping. The, the court will not; it's it's barred from from referring to that as kidnapping. If an adult brings a child to Maine for gender-related surgery or other procedures from a state where the practice is illegal, Maine won't extradite the adult. Uh, this bill, my friends, is not only horrible for the citizens of Maine; it is horrible for every citizen in the Union. Uh, the bill sponsors. Uh, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out here. What, what party do you think they're from? I mean, do you think they're from the Republican Party or the Democrat Party? Okay. I mean, if this were a live game show, and you answered uh democrat party you would win the the prize they're all democrats why do democrats want to transition kids so badly why do they hate parents so badly Maine mother amber levine this is uh, she is in an interview with epic times amber levine levine i'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Uh, Amber has experienced a taste of what the law might mean. She told The Epic Times quote, "You choose to stick to your guns and what you believe to be is right for your child, and they're going to take your child." In 2019, her 13year-old daughter identified as a male while at Maine's Great Salt Bay Community School. The school counselor provided the girl with a breastbinder without informing the mom. Uh, this is language uh, from Levine's lawsuit against the school. Of course, you know we we it's documented breast binders. Um, uh, they can they can do harm. Uh, I mean, they they obviously they're they're used to create a more masculine appearance. Uh, but their long-term uh, effects could include rib fractures, overheating, skin irritation, pain, shortness of breath. I mean, they're not, it's not a healthy thing to go around wearing uh, restriction like this. Uh, on December 2nd, 2022, uh, Miss Levine found a breast binder in her daughter's room. Her daughter told her she had received it from the school counselor, Samuel Roy. Ms. Levine said she talked through the issue extensively with her daughter. Today, her child no longer identifies as a male. Oh, go figure. Okay, there had to be some discussion between, you know, mom and child. But mom was able to talk some sense into the child. Mom was able to steer and guide the child through the gender confusion. And that's not what our school leaders, our our legislative leaders, or medical leaders, in many cases, that's not what they want to do. They don't want to, to guide the child through the confusion. They just want to usher the confusion upon the child further. So the child no longer identifies as a male. Uh, subjecting children to gender reassignment procedures is mutilation, Miss Levine said. She would never allow her daughter to undergo such procedures. After she sued the school, Maine's government sent social workers to her house for a, quote, wellness check. Okay, you're going to sue us? Guess who's coming to pay you a visit for a wellness check? Maine's Child Protective Services found nothing wrong, and closed her case within 30 days. But under the new law, Ms. Levine's refusal to use male pronouns and a male name for her daughter would legally count as child abuse. If somebody calls CPS on me again based on the transgender situation, I have no doubt in my mind that I'd be at risk for losing my child, she said. Um, And she's absolutely right. There... it, it, because it's considered abuse. If you're not going to affirm the child, you're abusing the child. So, in order for you know, if mom wants to sit down with daughter and talk through the situation, that's a big no no. Uh uh, you can't do that. Mm-mm, not anymore. Not anymore. Miss Levine is considering leaving Maine with her family if the new bill passes. I've lived here my whole life, she said. It's tough just to uproot yourself, but our kids are number one. And it's true. This is the way, and this is what the left just doesn't get, because this is the way parents feel about their kids. Their kids are number one. We will see a mass exodus in Maine, like like we're seeing in, in California, like we're seeing in the public schools in Colorado, you know, which we documented yesterday, uh, uh, you know, the only one, the only people left in Maine are going to be the, the lefties. According to Maine parental rights Activate, uh, advocate Sean McBrarity, the bill damages parental rights in every state, not just Maine. Yeah, I, I mentioned that. You're spot on, Sean. Is this a joke, he asks. No, that's the situation in Maine. They're out there wanting to literally take your kids away from you. Uh, McBrierty has won his own battle with the Maine Regional School Unit. After he read aloud portions of an obscene book that was in the school district's own library during a school board meeting, the school district banned him from attending school functions on campus. Mr. McBrierty won a lawsuit against the school district, which was ordered to pay him $40,000 for violating his rights. Mr. McBriarty said the proposed bill could incentivize Maine-based LGBT groups to kidnap children into the state. You could basically kidnap a child, bring them to Maine, and the parents now have no authority over the child because the state of Maine says it's a ward of the state. So far, McBride said the bill has been met with a massive public outcry, and Maine's Judiciary Committee has delayed its discussion of the bill. However, McBridey said he is concerned the committee will push the bill through after the media cycle moves on. So here's the assignment: the media cycle can't move on, at least not on the ground, not on the grassroots. It can't. Uh, you folks in Maine, and I don't even have to tell you this. I don't, I don't have to tell you to keep your foot to the pedal because this is who you are. This this is who you are. And this is this is who America is. We keep our foot to the pedal. Today, by the way, speaking of keeping your foot to the pedal, uh, today is uh, Audie Murphy Day. Uh, I've got a couple minutes left. All right, before we end, quick, quick history class. They said he was too small. The Army paratroopers said no as well. But Audie Murphy was used to setbacks. The son of a Texas sharecropper He had helped raise his 10 siblings after their father deserted them and their mother died. When the U.S. entered World War II, he was determined to fight. The army finally accepted him in the infantry a few days after his 18th birthday. He fought in the invasion of Sicily, and then in Italy at Salerno and and Anzino, and in the mountains as the Allies pushed to Rome. On January 26th, 1945, in eastern France, 250 Germans and six tanks attacked his unit. Ordering his outnumbered men to fall back, Murphy climbed onto a burning tank destroyer and used its machine gun to hold off the enemy. Then, though wounded, he organized a counterattack. For his courage, the military awarded him the Medal of Honor. It wasn't the only time he threw himself in harm's way. Before he turned 21, Murphy had become the most decorated American combat soldier of World War II, earning 24 medals from the U.S. government, three from France and one from Belgium. And why? Why? Because this is the American spirit, kids, friends. This is who we are. As Americans, we, we see something and we believe in it and we fight for it. We don't fight because we hate what's in front of us. We fight because we love what's behind us. I mean, that's a mantra. I'm probably going to keep, just just keep preaching. We love our kids. You know, parents in Colorado love their kids and they're leaving the public school in droves. Parents in Maine love their kids and they're going to do whatever they can humanly possibly do to protect them, even if it means leaving the state. You know, where, you know, Amber Levine has lived all her life, doesn't want to uproot her family, doesn't want to leave the place she loves, you know, but she's willing to do it. It's it's because we love our kids and we're going after it. And you folks in Maine, I don't have to tell you, I don't have to tell you to stay after it because you're doing it. And, and I love you for it. It's this spirit that I love. It's this attitude that I love. It's America. We're going after it. All right. That's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the deeds list. Let's unite to renovate the age.